0: Sometimes you just happen to be standing at the right corner at the right time. For me, I was about 19, maybe 20 years old. My band Amber Rain was through some strange twist of circumstances selected to open for a band with a new album called Dream Bo Nanny. That's where I met guest Steve Fossen, bassist of a band he essentially put together, starting with a band called The Army and then White Heart. And then they were called Hocus Pocus and eventually Heart. Over 40 years and millions of albums later, here is Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductee Steve Fawson, and here's Hart. Today, something north of 40 years later, Steve Faustin is here with the Better Each Day podcast to share his experience with the formation of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame band, Heart, and his new band, Heart by Heart, an awesome Heart tribute band featuring a select lineup, including his longtime friend and original Heart alum drummer, Michael DeRocher.
1: Right, yeah. Love Whitby Island.
0: Yeah, and then uh, you just took a trip from, uh, or just got back from New York?
1: Yeah, we were in New York uh, at the beginning of the month, and then we went to, let's see, we played Angel of the Winds, and then uh, we just got back from playing The Cannery in Las Vegas on Saturday.
0: Oh, wow. You're busy. Yeah, and the last time I last time I talked to you, you were planning a trip to Cabo, I believe. How was that?
1: Oh, it was fantastic. Uh, We we go there usually every uh, Christmas, hopefully, you know, close to New Year's or through New Year's too. And uh, this time, uh, Mike DeRozier and his son came with us, and we had uh, you know several other friends that uh, we know through the music business and everything. So there was about fourteen of us that we're partying and having a good time
0: does uh, Sammy Hagar still have a place down there
1: yeah that's the Cabo Wobble yeah did you go there yeah yeah we know the uh, the Cabo Uno band oh and uh, they we got Mike and Summer and I got up and jammed with their guitar player we did Barracuda and Rock and Roll on Friday night and it was packed and people just like were just they Got up to the front of the stage and just, it was like a concert.
0: <laughs> but it was awesome.
1: Yeah, it was fun.
0: Let, let me ask you about your gear. What do you play through normally?
1: Okay, uh, well, I have a vintage uh, Fender jazz bass that I play. I also have, uh, well, I have a couple of those. And then I have a vintage, I also have a couple of vintage uh, Fender precision basses that I play. And they're all four strings, of course. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have a cord that goes directly from my bass right to my amp, <laughs> my Ampeg SVT amp.
2: Okay.
1: And then I, I, I have a, a variety of speakers that I use, but I normally use a. Uh, it's called a, a SVT 210 AV. So it's just two tens in a. So it's a tiny little cabinet. It's about the size of an SVT head, but. You know, it's only 13 pounds instead of 85. And uh, that's
0: what I play through. I mentioned this the last time I talked to you. My band opened for heart, oh gosh, right after Dreamboat Annie came out. I, I recalled you didn't have any pedals back then. Have you ever used any pedals?
1: Well, yeah. Um, there, you know, I have on and off over the years, like I'll have an octave pedal sometimes. And I like using a, uh, uh, it's an EBS octave pedal, and I use an EBS tremolo pedal occasionally. Um, uh, let's see, what else do I use? That's about it.
0: The, the rest is your brain and your hands. and.
1: Yeah, well, I, I've i got a technique. I, I, I use a pick a lot, so I have a technique where I palm the strings. Yeah. So I can, I'm down by the bridge, so I can, I can, Make it you know kind of do my own self compression, depending on you know what my sound's doing and what songs we're playing and stuff.
0: It sounds like heart by heart's staying busy. that's good to hear are there any repercussions with the heart band people? do they ever you know question what you're doing or
1: no, actually, we've heard through the grapevine that uh, Anne is uh she doesn't you know she's happy that Mike and I are out there and having fun playing heart music and you know we look at it as you know we're part of the heart franchise anyway you know mike and i of course yeah. and, you know former members and everything but you know when we go out we promote you know the sales and downloads of heart music as well and we keep the you know the music and the and the and heart in in people's hearts and minds, you know. So I think we're doing a good job in that respect.
0: Yeah, I would think it'd be only only good things. Yeah, you ever been walking?
1: I think so I mean, yeah, it's not like we're we're doing anything that we weren't a part of. I mean, Mike and I were very instrumental in you know the parts that we came up with in the studio and you know the arranging and vibe that. uh that Mike and I and Howard and Roger had when we played together—that that made the songs what they were back in the day. And then, obviously, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame recognized that, and you know, inducted all of us into the into the Hall of Fame.
0: Way awesome! So, the creative part of the songs—where did the songs usually come from?
1: Well, sometimes uh, band, the band would be jamming. At the rehearsals or uh, sound checks or something like that. And that's how Barracuda came about. It was, that was mainly uh, Roger and uh, Mike DeRozier. And Mike DeRozier actually got songwriting credits for Barracuda. Mm-hmm. You know, we just get to you know, but a lot of the songs were actually you know, Anne and Nancy would go off by themselves and come up with the tunes. They kind of learned after a while that if they they did too much around the the rest of the band, then they kind of had to split up the songwriting credits.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: that's <laughs> so they they'd go off and and come up with you know the bulk of the song, and then they'd come back, and then we would just make up our individual parts which you know which which at the time was great what in record companies what they have is uh artist royalties which is a nod to the people that were in the studio create you know helping to create the, the music so um, mike and roger and howard and i we share along with Anna and nancy artist royalties so and we still get you know, our same share that we've always gotten, we still get those today and the royalties that are generated in this new era of uh, streaming and downloading and all that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. You ever at like QFC and some of your music comes on, you lean over to the little old lady next to you and you say, Hey, I can play just like that guy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to, but no, I but <laughs> we do. We do like. Uh, there's a QFC near my house, and I'll go in there and occasionally. Hear you know, Barracuda, Crazy on You, Dog and Butter.
0: I Dog hear them all creator. the time. Yeah, yeah.
1: And uh, yeah, it's it's quite gratifying. I worked retail uh, at a base shop down in Pioneer Square called Base Northwest for ten years, and we had like uh, classic radio on all day. And you know, inevitably during the day, at some point, uh, there'd be a heart song coming on. Always, oh, which, which was nice. Yeah, And, you know, it's always nice when you're listening to classic radio. You hear the Beatles, the Stones, Pink Floyd, Led Zeppelin, Hart, you know, and then the Who. And, and you Boston. Know, you like going, Holy, Doobie, Doobie how did Brothers. I ever get amongst those people?
0: <laughs> you're a pretty humble guy. Yeah, I do know why you guys were great. Um, yeah, it stands the test of time.
1: Yeah, it sure does. And, you know, we're really grateful to classic uh, radio because they've really kept part you know in, in, in the ears and in the, in the minds and the hearts of people all these years and they still play us to this day which is really great
0: I talked to a lot of young people uh, through the course of doing this podcast and, and your name comes up uh, along with the, the, name, the bands you just named the iconic bands and I'm not sure there will ever be iconic bands again like that it, you know the, it's just a different world now
1: yeah, it sure is. Yeah, it's, uh, I don't, you know, I, I can't explain it. So I, I don't even want to try. And, you know, I'd, I'd sound stupid if I tried to, you know, say that, oh, well, that was better than and this. You know, the past is better than now. And, you know, because I remember when we were kids, the uh, artists from the 50s and 40s would try to put down rock and roll. And it just made them look, you know, really, you know, uh, stuck in the past and and not very aware of the, what's going on with the kids nowadays. So I don't want to appear like that. But, but and to tell you the truth, I do listen to quite a bit of the new music when I'm in in my car and stuff. I tune to the you know, there's a station here in Seattle called eighty nine point five. Uh, it's a it's a, a station that comes out of Nathan Hale. It's uh, uh the- the high school students or the oh. d j s and stuff like that, but they're very aware of you know all the the uh, the current dance music and the current music and producers and artists and stuff, and I love listening to it, <clears throat> and if I hear something I really like, I'll search it out and try to download it I'm
0: doing the same my joke is i my dad to him music kind of stopped right after World War two, so anything that went beyond. I uh, like Perry Como Pat Boone stuff like that you know even Frank Sinatra might have been pushing it for him <laughs> but it well, would... it,
1: well, you know they were I mean they were and still are in my opinion great artists yeah and, you know and, I, and I'm not opposed to downloading Perry Como or uh, Sinatra or any of that stuff I I, I you know the big band uh, soundtracks Backing tracks that these singers had were fantastic musicians, and you know it's it's really good for me to hear those those musicians and those arrangements and everything to this day. I really love it Andy Williams, the same thing,
0: yeah, yeah, I'm, I guess my point was i I don't want to become my dad, but somehow it's inevitable. I'm finding myself following, <laughs> saying things that well, he would say,
1: you know I mean the era of rock music, you know, starting with, you know, Elvis Presley in the 50s. Not starting with Elvis Presley, but Elvis Presley through the 50s and early 60s and and then uh, you know, the Beatles come along and the Stones and Led Zeppelin and, you know, it's uh, for for rock music and guitar players and drummers and bass players, it's hard to beat that stuff. Yeah. And the creativity and the energy from that, from those eras and, you know, I'm just grateful that Heart was is, was able to slip in there and 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 become, you know, popular at the, at, a, at almost the perfect time for us. You know, the mid seventies. It,
0: it was, and I think all the things that we were talking about are a matter of timing, and it's hard to control timing. Really, it's a lot of that's just left up to uh, the roll of the dice, I guess, in a lot of ways. But
1: yeah, well, you know, I tell everybody that Heart. I mean, we played so much back in the day. You know, we played clubs and we, you know, back then clubs, you'd pull in on a Monday or Tuesday, set up your gear, and then you'd play Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes you'd get Sunday off and then you'd do it all again the next week. And we, you'd play someplace two weeks in a row. So you had a chance to really hone your, your sound and your uh, live performance and, and learn how to play together and keep the energy going, you know, for hours at a time. And I mean, bands don't get that nowadays because they'll pull into a a, a venue, they'll get it, pile their junk in the corner for you know half the night, and then they'll pile their stuff on stage and do a forty-five minute set, and they're and then they're gone. they are done. So in order to get that those ten thousand hours of playing together, they have to rehearse all the time. Well,
0: that's not the same.
1: Yeah, people need, you know, they've got to make money, so they're all, everybody's got a job, they're doing other things, they have wives, they have, you know, girlfriends, wives, kids, so it's really hard to get that uh, that kind of concentrated effort and and uh, practice time and performance time like we used to have when we were, you know, when we were coming up through the ranks.
0: What got you started? What was the first concert you went to?
1: Uh, Probably the Kinks. Oh, really? Back at the Coliseum back in the day with the Kinks and I think Jan and Dean. (laughs) Cool. Yeah, the Beach Boys, uh, the Seeds.
0: Yeah, you're pushing too hard.
1: (laughs) Yeah, pushing too hard and all that kind of stuff. Sam the and the Pharaohs.
0: Oh,
1: wow. You know, they used to have those shows where they'd have 10 or 12 different acts that would come out and play 20 minutes at a time. And, uh, you know, we would go sing. Yeah. That... But I remember when I first got my bass, um, I would listen to uh, KJR and I would just sit on my bed and just learn every song that came on the radio. Cause every song was, if it was played on KJR, it was a hit. Yeah. You know, in some way or another. And, uh, so I would just learn those songs and that's why I crafted my style.
0: So if you were to talk to somebody that's just starting out now, it, it'd be tough. But what advice would you give them?
1: <laughs> well, the people that are successful now are the people that start when they're young. They get dedicated and they uh, attend. You know, they, they, they do the schoolwork. They, they, do it, uh, they do it through, you know, they get taught. And they they learn how to read music and they learn how to, you know, arrange music and then they go to a performance school like Berkeley or something like that in Boston. So they they you know, they figure it out and I don't know, it's just we we did everything by memory when yeah. I was a kid.
0: Yeah, play ear and then if you Yeah, by ear. You you write the chords down in chord symbols like you know, A D E and you take that to the rehearsal. And it's done by, yeah, basically by ear.
1: That's exactly it. And I, you know, I still play by ear. And, uh, you know, when I was younger, I took the trumpet and I could read music and all that kind of stuff. And
0: so you're a trumpet uh, you know, player.
1: Was, yes. But when I, uh, you know, I thought I took trumpet for a few years and I was, you know, I was fairly decent at it. But then I thought to myself, gee, you know, trumpets are square, which they're not. Trumpets are really cool, but, I, you know, being a kid, I thought trumpets were square. I needed to play, I wanted to play rock music, you know, so. Yeah. I put down the trumpet and forgot all the, how to read music and everything, and then a couple of years later is when I got my first bass, and I don't know, I just got a, uh, a, a Mel Bay book that had the, you know, t- taught you how to tune it up and then taught you where all the notes were on the whole fretboard, uh, And that's about, and then I just started, you know, uh, learning the, you know, the 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 chordal, you know, what makes up a chord and all that kind of stuff and and figured out how to fit my bass lines into, you know, the chords that the guitar players and keyboard players were playing and stuff
0: little bit of theory so did you like learn with Roger Fisher
1: well actually no Um, Roger and I we both got our instruments at the similar time but uh, I went my way and he went his way for about two or three years and that's when and then after that is when we we got together and said let's start a band and he knew a drummer and I knew a uh, singer who also played guitar and keyboards and we put it together, and that was the army yeah and and uh then a year later we changed the, the name from the Army to White Hart. and then a year after that, we just shortened it to heart.
0: then came Anne and some of her following. she had some people that she was kind of a package deal, i think
1: yeah she uh Raj and i we you know the original t- uh a uh, singer and drummer quit, and then we so we went through some other singers and drummers and different um, uh, different configurations, uh, and but we still called it Heart. And then uh, Raj and I hit rock bottom. We didn't have any place to live. We were uh, sleeping in the van, storing our equipment at at a friend's house, and then sleeping in, in the van. <laughs> and so we said, "This is fun." but it's not working out financially so let's put an ad in the paper and we did for a singer and a uh, singer and a drummer and the people that answered it were Ann Wilson, uh, Gary Humphreys and Chris Blaine who was a drummer and Gary was a singer and uh, we went over to uh, Chris's house and we had a re- little rehearsal and we said hey this is going to work so we put together you know, four sets worth of material and we went out and uh, started making money and that was, and we called that band Hocus Pocus. And Hocus Pocus we toured around, uh, you know, Washington, Oregon, Idaho, Montana for about eight months. And during those eight months, uh, Ann uh, met and fell in love with uh, Mike Fisher, who was Roger's older brother. Yeah. So at the end of uh, December, we we decided that uh maybe it would be a good idea to emigrate to uh, uh, canada and to british columbia because that's where mike lived he's and he lived up there and he said that the uh economy was booming up there and down here in seattle it was the end of the the Vietnam was wind, Vietnam War was winding down, and the economy in Seattle so was shot.
0: Early seventies.
1: Yeah. So so we uh, we emigrated up there. We got a uh, the other guys in Hocus Pocus decided not to come. So we got a couple of Canadian uh, musicians, and we started. We renamed the band Heart, and uh, we started playing in you know the Vancouver area, and pretty soon we were one of the top bands up there and we did a lot of work up there and then all of a sudden Mike Flicker from Mushroom Records heard about us and had us come in and do a demo and from that demo is how we uh, we got the record deal with Mushroom Records.
0: Was that the first female vocalist you'd work with?
1: Yeah. It, yeah, it was. It wasn't. But it. We, you know, we didn't really uh, at the time it was I mean, I never really went oh, female and male and male, you know I just looked at at Anne and as a fellow musician. Yeah, she's good. That was good. Yeah, yeah. And I, you know, I, the fact that she was female was neat because it opened up songs like uh, Dusty Springfield and Janis Joplin and stuff like that. But she she loved the Beatles, so we did. She would sing uh, the Long and Winding Road and stuff like that. Yeah. Also, she, she, I mean, we had no. She had no problem singing male songs and we had no problem with her singing male song I mean she was just a good musician good singer so whatever she could sing and wanted to play was fine with us
0: I remember you guys closed with Rock and Roll of course Led Zeppelin and uh, Harry Nilsson Without You yeah so and they were great wow they were super encore songs
1: yeah well Heart by Heart does both of those too but oh cool we normally do Rock and Roll by Led Zeppelin but, but we have done you know without you in the past we, we haven't done it for a while but we every once in a while in rehearsal we'll bust it out
0: it's a great song so where, are where you you have a big uh, schedule coming up for Heart by Heart or what's going on with you guys
1: well we right now uh, Summer and I are getting ready to go meet with a uh, uh, a national booking agent and uh, you know discuss stuff with him and you know we're hoping to fill it this year but this year is uh you know, we're you know it's slowly starting to fill up, but uh, you know we have some <laughs> really good irons in the fire that I can't really talk about, but yeah, it's it's really
0: cool. <laughs> that's exciting.
1: Yeah, yeah, it is. It is really cool, and you know the way Heart by Heart has evolved is very organic, and uh, we've had a lot of good luck. I mean, I've always said that that you know any success basically by in any field by anybody is, you know, a lot of hard work, a lot of preparation, but there's also a a big luck factor involved. Heart by Heart's has a lot of good luck and uh, good fortune. And we've been able to be at the right place at the right time. And then when we get this opportunity, we deliver. So it's, it's all good.
0: That's cool. Last time I talked to you, we were kidding around about the... Uh, When I opened for you, it was in Hoquiam at 7th Street Theater. And you mentioned the the skating rink, the Harborina is what that's called. So you've played at the Harborina?
1: Yeah, Yeah, I remember, We, you know, you you go over the bridge and you see the Harborina on the right down there. And you go like, how do we get down there? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, know, we were driving around for a while trying to find that place. But yeah, we played there, you know, back in the... uh, in the day I don't think Hocus Pocus played there but I think it was before it was back probably the original you know maybe it was even Whiteheart maybe back in those days
0: but it wasn't Army
1: could have been Army could have been
0: Mm. a lot of good bands played there you remember Don and the Good Times uh, Fragile Lime was another Seattle band Sonics
1: Yeah. yeah well Don McKinney the singer he wasn't that he, the song was not named after or the band's not named after him because there's another Don, but he was the singer Don McKinney. He was he managed Heart for a while. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. And then a couple of weeks ago, um, I noticed he was on Facebook, so I friended him and I you know private messaged him and thanked him for all the stuff he did for us in the early days and you know he was a big influence on my playing. By, you know because he would listen to me and then he would say well I think it would be nice if you could connect the notes here and all that kind of stuff and he kind of uh, helped me along and I was real grateful for that so I let him know sweet well, yeah well, this business is you know it's all about you know acknowledging the people that help you so
0: yeah I think My, uh, being gracious is a pretty important thing it's been a pleasure again all right all right talk later Bye-bye. He's a magic man!
2: But until then, honor the future. It comes with a lifetime guarantee.
1: And we're all just trying to make the next day a bit better.